This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The career of Beverly Yanez really exemplifies why the National Women's Soccer League exists. Yanez retired earlier this year at 31 years old after a decade as a pro. She was drafted in 2010 by the Washington Freedom and WPS, won a title with the Western New York Flash the next season, and then played in Japan for a couple years. She had one week to accept that offer in Japan, drive across the country, and get married so that her partner could join her there. It's a really incredible story that we talk about in this pod. She then spent six seasons with the Reign and played a big, even if often unheralded role in those dominant 2014 and 2015 squads. She played in multiple positions as the team's needs changed, and she's one of the many players in the NWSL who continue to raise the level of the league, even if they aren't in the day-to-day spotlight. Now Beverly is taking on a new challenge as a coach. In this episode of the podcast, Beverly and I discuss her passion for coaching and inspiring the next generation of players, which she's doing now in a new state-of-the-art facility in California where she grew up. We talk a bit about battling the cube, which if you don't know what that is, I have some videos and links in the EqualizerSoccer.com page that accompanies this podcast. This show is meant to highlight players and personalities from across women's soccer, and the story of Beverly Yanez, then and now, is one you need to know. I hope you'd enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening platform so you don't miss a single episode. And please rate and review us with those five stars so more people can discover the great stories in women's soccer just like you. I'm Jeff Kasouf, founder of The Equalizer, and this is Kicking Back. Beverly Yanez, thanks for joining me. Of course. I'm excited to be here. So thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, some crazy times, obviously. Um, yeah, I think a good intro for you is making sure people know your accomplishments. Uh, the past mm-hmm. decade, playing the full full decade, drafted by the Washington Freedom in 2010, played for Western New York Flash in 2011, which was that, uh, that barnstorming team in, in WPS, um, <laughs> played in Japan uh, for Anna Kobe, and, and then came over to the rain for the past um, basically five, six years um, since, since then. So, um, you know, recently retired. Uh, we, we got that yeah. announcement in, in February, the rain said, um, for you were looking to move on to coaching, starting a family. I know, you know, coaching at Copa, uh, soccer training in California, which is closer to home, your original home anyway. Um, yes. what, what's this been like these first couple months? Is it kind of set in for you? Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's still, I'm still, um, feeling the shock of it all. Um, and I think, I've come to the realization, um, no matter when you leave the game, it's always going to be hard to process because it's something that you've known and loved for so long. Um, 
So although I felt ready and um, excited for the next chapter, it, it's a part of me. It's a piece of me. It's a piece of who I am. Um, and even just scrolling through my phone and seeing photos, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so weird. Like, I'm not going to be doing this anymore, you know? So the realization hasn't fully set in and I'm not sure if it ever will um, and how long that will actually take for it to settle in. Mm -hmm. Um I'm really enjoying the new opportunity I have at, uh, at Copa Soccer Training Center and, and developing some curriculum and working with the kids. Um, I feel like very involved in um, development of youth players, which is something I'm very passionate about um, and giving back to the game as much as possible. Um, obviously, I haven't had a chance to support the league yet because it hasn't um, quite kicked off given the current circumstances, um, but I know that that is going to be a huge passion of mine. Um, to give back as much as I possibly can and support women's sports as much as I possibly can. Having been um, a quote unquote, uh, some sort of pioneer in the game. Um, I have a big passion and I know that it would be a disservice if I stepped away and didn't give that passion um, or help support uh, the women's game in any uh, capacity that I can. So. Mm -hmm. uh, so Copa, I had not heard of um, this, this Copa until yeah. uh, I saw Ali Long's Instagram with the cube, yeah. which, which was like, I felt like it was some futuristic movie of like beat the computer. <laughs> what, it's can so you, cool. What's it like working there? It seems like there's a lot of like coaching meets future technology kind of. Totally, totally. And we were super grateful to have um, Allie come in and she's just such a great person. Um, I just absolutely adore her. I've obviously had a chance to play with her in DC, my rookie season. Um, and she made a huge impression on me. I thought, uh, she was just so kind and so nice and so, uh, willing to explain things to me. And she just went out of her way to be nice. Um, so when I got the opportunity to play with her at the rain again, I was just thrilled. I'm like, Oh, yay. Um, I obviously had my rookie season with her. Um, but yeah, to have her in the building, I mean, she's an incredible player, incredible person, was really, really fun to see how much she loved it. Um, but yeah, I think this facility is the first of its kind in the U.S., which is incredible. Um, it's basically technology that um, is used in, used in Europe. I mean, most people have seen the cube on Barizia Dortmund's um, Instagram, where most people saw it for their first time. Um, it's the first of its kind technology here in the U.S., and it's obviously soccer-specific um, in our training side. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just technology meets, um, hopefully <laughs> incredible coaches. That's what we're trying to be. Um, and matching game-like situations, um, along with uh, COPA actually stands for comprehensive objective performance assessment. So an ability to assess players and, uh, an ability for those players and those parents to see, uh, their growth and their improvements. So, um, it's one of a kind, um, we're still in our early stages. We're still in our infancy stages. Uh, we only opened as of what January of this year. Hmm. Um, so we've got a lot of work to do, but, um, the facility and the staff, um, speaks for itself. Everyone's working really hard and, and working together to try and make this, um, the best possible training place that it could be. So have you taken on the cube yourself? Oh my gosh, all the time. I'm like, I feel like a kid. It's like, as soon as my shift's done, you know, of coaching or whatever it is I'm doing for the day, I'm like always popping in the GM's office. Like, can I get in the cube? He's like, why do you ask? Like, get in there. I'm like, I just want to make sure no one's going to be working on it, you know, um, but, or no one's training in it or anything. Um, but yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times I just got in there last night Oh wow! and they've got different pro levels. The, the ball can come out at different speeds. The ball can come in the air. Um, you have to have 360 awareness. It's just so game-like, right? Constantly checking your shoulders, seeing where you need to connect your pass next. Um, and sometimes it's going to be on the ground and sometimes it's going to be in the air because the squares are both um, on the ground and in the air. So 
yeah, by far the coolest thing I've ever <laughs> had a chance to like get in, let alone coach in it as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It looks pretty cool. Even the, uh, those videos Amazing. that I saw, it was, um, there was quite a crowd like on the, the decks above. Yeah. Too. So, um, it, it's almost, yeah, it feels like some kind of gladiator type of reality yeah. show or something. Yeah. Like, um, totally. So it's I'll drop amazing. some, yeah, I'll drop some links for, for listeners into, uh, the show page on, on Equalizer for, um, if anybody's kind of wondering what the heck we're talking yeah. about. Um, yeah. Thank you. That's really sweet. What, so the coaching in general, I mean, I think you did some of it in your Seattle days while you were still playing, right? Um, yes. What, what brought you to it? Um, and, and why now, I guess, to transition from the pro game to, to full-time coaching now? Yeah, absolutely. I never knew how much, um, of a passion I had in coaching. And I don't think it was until I went to Japan. And when I went to Japan at age 23, 24, um, in Japan, most of the players at age 13 pursue a soccer career. So they go away from home, they go with the club, they play at the pro level at a very young age. Um, they pursue that dream of becoming a professional soccer player. So when I went over at 23, 24, there was 17 year olds on my teams and 16 year olds. And I'm like, wow, you know, <laughs> they're so young. This is so yeah. crazy. Um, but playing with them and seeing how much they understood the game and seeing how ahead of the game that they were, even in comparison to me at my age. And then I'm thinking at your age, where was I at? Um, and all of a sudden I had this like, total eye-opening experience of I'm so far behind in my tactical game and understanding um, the game. Like when the ball's at my feet, I'm super confident and I feel good with my technical ability, but I never know how I get into those situations. And I never understand my timing. It's like, I can't always rely on the ball at my feet and having a good day, right? Because we don't have a good day every day. <laughs> so um, I kept wondering, like, how come they understand the game so well? Like their tactical awareness is incredible. So staying there for two and a half years and having the girls after practice explain the game to me with a little magnet with my face on it, they would show me, yeah, different runs and stuff like that. And we'd always work on the whiteboard after training. Um, and I just learned so much. And all of a sudden I came back to the U.S. and I had a different sense of confidence. I've never been a fast player. I always joke because it's like no one's ever been like, wow, Bev, you know, that's just never been a thing for me. I've never had the speed. I always wish I did, but I never did. It was just not a part of my game. My game was technical um, and I could technically get out of things. And then if I could add the tactical piece, I wonder if my speed wouldn't be as noticeable because I'm so smart and I'm moving so quickly that people would be like, whoa, you didn't even notice she wasn't as fast as her because, you know, mm -hmm. she's outsmarting her. So all of a sudden, um, I grew this passion of wanting to get back to youth um, players, the understanding of the game that I had missed out on for so many years. Um, and I really feel like maybe I could have been a different player, you know? You always think that, you always go back, but I'm so proud of, like, who I am today. But you naturally always do that, you know? Um, and so that's where my coaching, like, really started. I'm like, I want to give back. Now that I've seen this and it's opened my eyes, I want to keep studying this side of the game. Um, and I want to help kids understand. Because if they have all these attributes, if they've got, you know, so many incredible attributes in their game, what if we add the tactical piece? Now it's just like a whole different level. Um, so that's really where it first started. Um, and I first started in Seattle. We opened up Beast Mode Soccer Seattle. Um, so we were an affiliate of Beast Mode Soccer with Dave, I'm sure you know um, of him. 
And we loved it. My husband and I were running the sessions and I was playing and running sessions. And it was really nice for me too, because in the off season at that time, you know, we weren't paid in the off season. So it was a nice transition for me to be able to stay in Seattle, train kids, train myself because I'm in my lo- you know, location um, and just stay there the entire year. So I started to grow even a bigger passion after doing the individual trainings to get involved in more of a team setting. Um, and that's when I started coaching with the rain Academy, um, alongside Sam lady, I was the assistant coach and he was the head coach. Um, so it was really fun. Um, I was only coming, you know, in the off season, I was able to obviously come out more and during season, um, not as much, especially as I got older, (laughs) the recovery time was a lot different (laughs) to say that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then I just saw, you know, seeing them from Monday through Thursday and then seeing them on weekends brought this different side of passion to me, like, Oh my gosh, they're doing so good. They're growing so much. And over time you just start to um, be so happy and so um, excited for their development. So that's when I realized I have such a passion in that. And um, I want to, I want to do that. That's what I want to do when I'm done playing. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's where it all really ignited. You touched on it a little bit with, with what the off season looks like Um, just for, for folks who maybe aren't aware um, of kind of the structure of, of a women's pro soccer player, certainly in the past, it's getting better, but um, you know, what, what is the balance there of a lot of players? I I guess I'd say most players in the past certainly have, have needed other sources of income, other jobs. And, and, you know, the, the, Mm -hmm. you're obviously trying to do that on top of being the best player you can. Yes. uh, can be. So what was that balance like for you with, coaching and, and especially during the season must have been absolutely kind of frantic and, and tiring, I imagine, to to have to do yeah. that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think for me, you know, I've always absolutely loved the rain. I mean, I think it speaks for themselves for for itself. I played for what, six, seven seasons for them. Uh, I never wanted to leave that club. I love that club. And the reason why I love that club is because they did everything in their power to take care of the players. Everything in their power. Um so for me, I have absolutely always have and always will um, be a rain fan now, <laughs> but a rain player at heart um, and everything that they've done for me and my growth as a player and as a person. Um, and then when you talk about the, you know, the league, it's, it's growing. This year is different, right? Um, and I'm so excited. I couldn't be more excited for this league and to, to see its growth um, in the sense of, you know, players going January through December with um, contracts and all the adjustments to the contracts, um, allocation money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So in the past, it was, you know, you were paid during the season, which was six to seven months. Um, and then the off season came and it was, um, you know, we didn't get paid. Um, but in actuality, you have to stay fit and um, come in and, um, you know, do your best to compete for a spot. But um, obviously I, I've seen it at the very early parts. Um, and then I've seen its growth, you know, where we would have gym memberships in the off season. It was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, so I've seen all the different phases. And to be honest with you, Jeff, that's the main reason why I want to give back so much to the women's game is because I have seen those phases. I've experienced those phases. And so when growth comes, I feel that growth and I'm excited for that growth and I'm happy for that growth. Um, and things that I've seen even change just this season. I'm like, Oh my God, this is incredible. Like imagine these young girls out there that have dreams of playing in this league one day. Um, it's going to be a totally different story by the time it comes around to them. And that's what it's about. You know, um, it's about the sacrifices, the little sacrifices, sometimes big sacrifices that we had to make, but it had to get off the ground. It had to get going. 
um, and it had to continue to progress. Mm-hmm. So I think seeing um, where it's just come even just this year, like I said, I'm like, wow, it's very, very incredible. And um, a huge passion of mine is giving back and supporting as much as I possibly can. can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is, you know, it is tough sometimes yeah. in early <laughs> stages and especially as a, you know, a young rookie as well. It's like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Do I go get a coaching job or do I, um, you know, w- what do I just be a barista for the off season? <laughs> that would be kind of fun. You know, it's like, yeah. It's all what you make it though. You know, it is really, really, really tough, but I really think that's my character and it's built who I am. Like I've never been, um, it's like, okay, maybe a chance to explore something I've never done before. Do I want to be a barista in the off season? That'd be kind of fun. You know, I've never had a a real job outside of soccer, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I've been grateful for that. So, um, it's just, it's built my character and it's allowed me to be who I am. You know, do I want progression? Absolutely. Progression is much a hundred percent needed. Um, but at the time that was the state of it. Everything starts somewhere. Yeah. And I had to continue to remind myself that is, this is the starting point. And at some point this league is going to be absolutely incredible. And these stands are going to be full, maybe not during my era, but I'm so excited that I got to participate in it and the progression of the league. Yeah. And, and I mentioned um, for our listeners earlier, you started in WPS, the previous league, yep. uh, with the Freedom and then the Flash, which um, I actually covered that Flash team kind of day-to-day in, in Rochester mm-hmm. that, that year. Um, and it was, it was quite a team, obviously. We had Ali Riley on last week and talked a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the, the memories of living in Buffalo and then yep. coming out to Rochester for a game. Yep. Um, but what, what I remember from kind of, uh, you know, not being able to, to see, you know, you play in Japan and, and that predated even some of the streaming services and all of that here. But um, from, from seeing you kind of every week in, week out on that Flash team to when you came back first on loan in 2014 to the rain and then mm-hmm. full time in 15, um, 2014 was that, you know, that year for the rain that I would say, you know, with the courage of 18, probably, you know, one of the best teams the league has seen. Um, and you had five goals, four assists that year, nine goals the next. I mean, those are significant numbers. And and I think, you know, even beyond the numbers, did a lot that, um, you know, didn't always get a ton of credit. But I would say you came back from Japan, mm-hmm. a totally different player, as you've kind mm-hmm. of alluded to here. Um, you know, what was that? It, was it mostly tactical, like you said? Was it the technical mm-hmm. side? I mean, what? Because there was such a big jump. Obviously, three years went by from sort of a sophomore season in Western Europe. Yeah. But it was such a big jump. I mean, what did you feel that was different? Yeah. No, um, it's a really good question. I think it's a lot of things. I think going from playing 90 minutes all the time in college to dropping into my rookie season, being surrounded by Abby Wambach, Ali Long, Amari Sawa, Ashlyn Harris, Becky Sauerbrunn, Sonia Bompastor. I mean, you go on and on. It was like a loaded squad. And I got there and was like, I'm never going to play. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You know? And so I think it helped me a lot because I think I came out thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to cheat. You know, I'm going to, I get to chase my dream. Can't wait to play. And then I came to this hard realization of you got to, you got to earn it. Like, this is really incredible. This is awesome that you have this opportunity. You got to earn your playing time. It starts all over, Beth. Mm -hmm. It's not just senior in college to this incredible standout that you got to earn it. So um, I think that 
mentality was really hard for me. And I struggled a little bit because I couldn't figure out like how to get myself in a spot to understand I really wasn't going to play. And I was honestly, at the time they had what development roster spots, four of them. Um, And I was one of the development roster spots and I barely made that. And then um, due to injuries, I got pulled up for an actual roster spot a few times and didn't see the field all that much. Um, Mm. And I kept telling myself, you know, um, I don't know how to, how to fix this mentality because I want to learn. Um, and it was actually, um, Becca Moros who helped me a lot, um, during my rookie season. And she would pick me up for practices, take me home from practices and walk me through like, you know, if you see this differently, if you change your mentality, you'll learn, you know? Um, and that's when I started saying, okay, I'm playing with some of the best female athletes in the world. And if I show up and I learn from them, I'm going to be in a totally different situation next year. Um, but if I sit here and complain about why I'm not playing, I'm never going to learn anything. Yeah. So my mentality had to change and that's exactly what it was. You know, I struggled with the mentality. I struggled with, you know, not playing much. And, you know, as a rookie, you're trying to make friends too. You're in a totally different city. It's it's just a lot going on. Um, then I went to Japan and when I went to Japan, I was struck with the same adversity of, the midfield was Ji Soyeon, the 10, and Chelsea's midfielder. Homare Sawa, legend. Um, and the number 10, Shinobu Onu. Ono, excuse me. Um, the number 10 for Japan. So that was their midfield. So I got there. I was like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> it's a never-ending cycle, apparently. Um, but that's when it really gave me the opportunity. Because I didn't understand the language and because um, I had no translator. I just showed up to practice. I didn't know what, you know, going into the locker room, I didn't know who was talking about who or what was going on at all because I couldn't understand it. So for the first time in my career, I was in my own zone. I was in my own mentality of like, I'm don't know what's going on, but it's almost kind of nice because I have no idea what you guys are saying. <laughs> um, and I'm coming here, I'm showing up, I'm training hard. I'm learning as much as I possibly can. And then it really changed when I came in as a midfielder. Um, and I, I just, the fact was, I just wasn't going to see time. I was going to learn, but I wasn't going to see time. Um, in the center forward tore her ACL the very first game I was there. The head coach asked me, can you play center forward? And I was like, I have no idea. I mean, I will do my absolute best. I mean, at that point, it's like play or don't play. You know what right. I mean? And it's like, I want to play. So I'll figure it out. Um, struggled with it so much my first few um weeks few months didn't understand um i always say it's like sitting in a new seat in the classroom you sit there and you're like i never saw this poster before i've never even noticed this wall was colored this you know way um that's what it feels on the field when you change positions you're like whoa you're totally out of your element and i kept coming home and telling my husband i just i'm just a midfielder I'm just a midfielder. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea. I don't know what my post-up game looks like. I don't know how to turn players up and face them. And I'm not a goal scorer. Like I've been the passer all these years, you know? And he finally looked at me and was like, if that's your mentality, you'll never be a forward. You're always going to be just a midfielder. And from that day forward, I changed my entire mentality. And and I'm still uh, one of the first foreign players uh, to win a golden boot in the Japanese league. Um, strictly from my mentality. So through those experiences, I learned coming back to the U.S. that my mentality had changed. And I was confident in areas of my game I've never been confident in before, and tactical being the most. Um, So I came back and I was like, just have fun, you know? That's all I did. I, for the first time, analyzed myself as a player. I couldn't ask my coach, 
what am I doing well? What am I not doing well? What would you prefer? I'm sitting there watching film like, I don't know. <laughs> Good. And then sometimes it was like, you know, I would just put words in his mouth. Great run, Bev. And I'd kind of giggle <laughs> um, off to the side. But it was like, I didn't know. So for the first time, I had to look at myself, which I don't think we do a lot because we're so reliant on other people and other coaches. I had to look at myself and go, what am I good at? And what am I not good at? And I have to address that and being okay with knowing that you're not good at everything. That's just fact. <laughs> you know, what makes me, me, what makes me uni unique that every time I'm put on the field, what do I bring to my team? Mm -hmm. What can my team look to me for? And I had to find out what that was. And yeah. I learned that tactical was a part of who I was and I never knew. Um, like I said, speed was never, but that's besides the point. <laughs> um, but I had to find out what made me, me. And that's what I give back to the youth players and try and talk to the youth players and tell them what makes you, you leave the comparisons out. Who cares what every, we are working for the same common goal. And if another player is chosen over me, they're chosen over me for a reason. And I will sit that bench and I will cheer my butt off. And the next day come Monday, I will compete again for a spot. Right. But you have to have the mentality of what is best for the team at all times and making sure you understand what makes you unique, because then you'll eliminate the comparisons and you'll be at peace knowing that the decision wasn't yours because mm -hmm. it's the coach's decision. My job is to make it so hard on the coach. The coach doesn't sleep the night before because he doesn't know who to pick. That's my job. Yeah. So it was a very, very big learning experience. And I just came back with a totally different mentality and ready to have fun and enjoy the game and let everything else that I couldn't control take its course and everything I can control, I wanted to do. Okay, folks, we're going to take a quick break here for a few words from our sponsor. Oh, no, I know you want to hear more. We're coming right back. Stick with us. There's plenty more great conversation after the break. Here's a quick few words from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with more of Kicking Back. Let's talk quickly about um, getting to Japan too, because the backdrop to that is some adversity as well. Obviously, WPS mm -hmm. folds in early 2012, which um, you know, really right before the season. This wasn't really an off-season thing. It was yeah. transfer windows had closed, and and they had a draft and everything, and it was um, fairly abrupt. And a lot of players left without what to do. There's no league, um, and and you. Yeah. Um, Sky Blue, uh, I'll give the brief version of the story, I guess, you know, yeah. had a trip planned for preseason. Now there's no league, not really even a, a formal team. So basically invited players from, from all the teams to kind of join them if interested to take this trip yeah. anyway. That's how you get discovered in Japan, essentially, by uh, Inak Kobe to, to sign with them. And I think mm -hmm. if you can fill this in for me, you had basically a week uh, to, to decide and did you also mm -hmm. have to get, you guys got married in that week before you left? Yep. Is that right? That was, so that, that's Wow, amazing. very good. Yeah, yep. Well, yeah, I think we had, I had a week to decide, which is spot on. Um, I went over there. They told us that, you know, the trip has already been planned. We already, you know, this team's expecting to play us. So is anyone still interested in going? Absolutely. I don't want to sit here and think about there not being a league. I don't know what <laughs> I'm going to do. I'm so devastated. I just want to play. Um, so that's how I went, obviously, with the with Sky Blue. Um, and they invited four of us to practice when we got there. Um, and I was one of the four, and I was so shocked. And they had invited us after the game. And we lost only 2-0, I want to say. But 
I could not get over the way that they were playing. Um, they were pinging the ball around us. Several occasions I asked the ref, how much time's left? Like, I'm just so over this. They're so good. And I'm so frustrated. How much time's left? Um, and after that, they had invited four people after watching. And I said, well, I can't wait to see what they're doing. What, how are they training? Um, so we got invited. We did some training. We played. Um, and then after that, they offered two of us contracts, which was myself and Becca Moros. Um, and I was so shocked. And they were like, you have a week to decide. It's a January through December thing. Um, you'll get a week off in July. Um, we play like four tournaments within the year. So they have so many different, like, um, fully, you know, all of league, they have Empress cup. They have all these different cups that you can win, um, within the year. Um, you have a week to decide. And I came back to Louisville where I was at the time. Um, my husband had just graduated from the university of Louisville and was playing pro indoor soccer and coaching. And I was just doing private lessons on the side, I think for like 40 bucks an hour. I was just, you know, doing my thing, trying to make ends meet. Um, and I thought, I got to do this. And I told him about it. And he's like, well, what makes it so special? I'm like, it's the Barcelona of women's soccer. I don't know what else to tell you. They were pinging the ball around us and I need to be a part of this. If I don't do this, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. And then he was like, well, if I got a phone call from Barcelona, I definitely go. So let's do this. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. So we actually sold all our furniture and we drove all the way to California. Um, I found out that he couldn't come because we were engaged for a year and a half and he couldn't come uh, for more than a year, only 90 days because we were only engaged. So he got married by the courthouse. Um, and still to this day, we are eight years married now um, and 18 years together. We met wow. when I was 14 years old. Um, so um, still to this day, we've never had a wedding, which my dad's pretty pissed off about. <laughs> he still wants one. I'm like, he just really wants to party, let's be honest. Um, but um, at some point, I always say our 10-year anniversary, we'll do something. But yeah, that's how I got over there. And then essentially is exactly how I got back, which is so weird. Uh, Seattle Rain at the time came to play us in a match. And I was on the other side. I was with INAC. And they came in and they were like, whoa, you guys are so, I said, I was on your guys' side last time. <laughs> I know. Um, but they were like, are you American? Like, you know, what's your, what's your situation? Um, and then several weeks after that, through obviously discussions through my agent and everything, um, I realized that it was, you know, time for me to go home. And I had learned so much and I absolutely loved it. Um, but I wanted to see what the league was about. I wanted to be as a born American I'm female. I wanted to see what this league was about and I wanted to be a part of it and I wanted to help it grow. Um, so I knew I had to come back in order to do that. And that's essentially how I got back. Mm -hmm. That's, that's an incredible story of uh, a, a one week journey there to, to get there of yeah. Louisville to California oh my God. with a, a wedding in between. <laughs> oh my gosh. And my teammates actually threw me a wedding. Um, they wow. surprised us and they threw a big wedding. It was on one of the local TV channels. Um, <laughs> they rented out a hotel, um, like banquet room. And we thought we were going there for an interview with my parents, but they had planned it when my parents were visiting. Um, they surprised us. And Naho was actually the huge um, creator behind it all. They had cake. They had, we did an absolute traditional Japanese wedding. I was in the kimono, um, the whole shebang. Um, and then obviously coming back to the U.S. and Naho being here in the U.S., getting to play with her. And then obviously she still is playing. Um, she's just one of my favorite people. Uh, 
she's just one of those you know you want in your life for a very 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 long time because she has the most genuine heart so um it's definitely something i'll remember for the rest of my life she drew us shirts and everything she made a shirt with a heart around it and drew ot and i and then got all the shirts printed with our inac logo on the side and um all the girls wore it at the party it's like a, a wedding jersey almost. yes <laughs> a wedding jersey there you go. i'll have to send you um a photo of it you will get a kick out of it and it's literally perfect because naho's perfect <laughs> yeah that'd be great to perfect. see that's uh so you you kind of got the wedding there the little, yes yes you know. yep and mom and dad were there i always tell my dad dad we get you know you he wants to party with the family that's his thing okay <laughs> <laughs> he's well, wild you come back from, and I'm glad you mentioned Naho Kawasumi because um, she obviously mm-hmm. was was a big part of that um, that sort of dominant reign era as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was kind of listening to to what you said about going from midfield to forward while playing in Japan, and you know, you mm-hmm. kind of popped around quite a bit for the reign as well, and, and mm-hmm. a lot of injuries on that team in different years, filling you know, center forward, central mid, out wide. Um, you know, you kind of saw the different eras with Laura Harvey, with with Vlako um, mm-hmm. some ups and downs as well. What do you have some enduring memories from from your time there? I know there's probably so many, but kind of the the lasting impressions of of playing there. And you weren't there year one, but essentially building that team into what it is now. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you know, uh, playing at Memorial. I mean, we, you know, it, it's it turned into home for us, you know, and people dreaded playing against us there. It was our home, you know, and we were very protective of our home. Was it the nicest home? No, (laughs) but it was our home. And that's what made it unique is we, you know, blood, sweat, and tears on that field, Monday through Friday, play on the weekends. Um, It was our home. And so um, that whole era is uh, an era I'll never forget. Um, and it was an era when I came back from Japan feeling like a totally different player. And for the first time, I felt like I broke into a career that I had always dreamed of. Um, and I had played with teammates that I have never thought I'd play with them my entire life um, and learn from those teammates. And those teammates have become my best friends. Um, and then carrying over to seeing the growth of it go to Cheney Stadium and seeing the venue there which is immaculate um seeing the locker rooms that were built for us and just going wow to be a part of that transition is something that I'll never forget and I think just all the memories the memories of you know what it was to what it now is and to see the growth and cherish the memories Mm -hmm. um is something that I'll hold close to my heart forever And, and like I said the chance to be with the club that you know, I just adore and love, um, and have made some very, very good friends, um, throughout my time. Um, and people that I'd honestly call my sisters. Um, so I, I think for me, it's just, I'll, I'll always have those memories, but I'm fortunate to be a part of progression. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, I got to experience it firsthand. What are some of the uh, the legends of Memorial Stadium? I never actually got there for through the years. Oh. It was uh, the the one final in fourteen was played down into Tequila because of mm-hmm. a venue issue. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard about like the Seagulls, but I, I'm sure there's some some legends of. Uh, I know it was the smallest pitch. I think it might have been technically illegal by being too narrow, <laughs> um, but or it needed to be grandfathered in, but. Uh, <sighs> What was that? I mean, anything kind of crazy from uh, for people who don't? Um, 
I would say the seagulls, obviously. They were so <laughs> funny. They were always flying over. They're always landing on the field. Um, and then obviously, you know, in the stands, whenever we would, you know, would we would score the blue smoke coming out and, you know, the way that it carried onto the field, we were all like, we all knew we scored because we were like, <laughs> 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 the blue smoke is out. It was amazing. Um, and then just seeing the space needle, like we felt like we were representing Seattle. We were in downtown. Um, the space needle hung right over our um, facility and the way that the stands kind of drooped in they were all slanted in and you know they were just benches they weren't you know <laughs> top of the line anything um, but it made it feel um, so fun to play in um, so and and just the group the group I mean the Kim Little era what a joke she is um, just you know Hope Solo and Goal I mean it's just like it, it goes on and on of um, Keelan and Jess in the midfield with Kim. It, it was just a joke. Um, and it was just, uh, and I would say that's my, um, that's the thing I'm like so proud of, of like in the Laura era, she created a team that loved each other and wanted to play for each other and would do anything for each other. Um, and Vlaco did the same thing. It was such an incredible transition of moving stadiums and then having Vlatko come in and build a group that, like, loved each other and wanted to play for each other. And I haven't experienced that before. And I thought after experiencing it with Lori, I didn't know if I'd experience it again. Mm -hmm. And then Vlatko came in and did the exact same thing. It was like, oh, my gosh. Like, when you create a good culture, and that's something I've learned when I become a coach, how important the culture is and the environment is. And to me, it reflects the club. Because from all the way up, they know who they're hiring to take over that team. And they know what they're looking for. And they're looking for someone who creates a positive environment, a good culture for players to thrive in. Because if players are happy off the field, they're going to be very, very happy on the field and easy to show up to trainings. And you know what I mean? Um, and I think the club has done such an incredible job at putting um, people in those head coaching positions that create incredible culture um, in a really, really great environment for players to thrive in. Mm -hmm. So, well, you know, you mentioned that um, I've, I've only ever heard great things from a, a player perspective about um, playing there. And, and, you know, maybe that's overlooked a little bit because I think some of the MLS markets get a lot of attention for resources, mm -hmm. you know, quote unquote mm -hmm. for a, the, a general term, but uh, you know, it's, it's something that I've heard, you know, from the beginning in, in Seattle slash Tacoma now. So, um, yeah. what, for, you know, looking back a little bit, maybe further back um, for you, you know, there's a pro league now and you've talked about wanting to, to make sure that these players you're coaching see all these things, know that this is a possibility. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you growing up there, I guess pro leagues came and went a little bit, obviously. And, and it, you know, the WPS existed when you graduated from Miami, but yeah. what, uh, you know, did you have this dream? Was this something kind of, was this a foreign concept to you as a kid or what, what did that look like from way back? Yeah. And that's a, I really love this question because now that I'm retired, the amount of time I've had to reflect on my career and where the dream actually started, um, has been a little bit full circle on a much smaller scale. Um, but, full circle because I attended the 1999 women's world cup. Um, and my mom bought tickets to the final cause it was in Pasadena, California. And I'm from Riverside, Marina Valley, California. Um, and she didn't know it was going to be in the final. I think she got them for $14 a ticket. 
Um, and turns out it was China, US, and the ticket was worth like hundreds. Um, and we were like, we are not giving them up. And we are <laughs> absolutely going. Um, and I went there and, you know, 80,000 plus fans and seeing all these women compete and do what they love. And at the time I'd played soccer for maybe eight years already. I started when I was five. Um, and I was like, that's what I want to do. And that's what I want to be. Um, and it was just from then on out, everything I did revolved around soccer. I loved playing. And when I, you know, had my first boyfriend at 14 years old, who's the man I ended up marrying, I wanted him in my life, but only if he was going to have a positive impact in my life, because I was going to chase this dream, whether we were together or not, whether we were dating or not, this is who I am. And it's a part of me and you can accept me for all of me. Or if you're like, I don't want someone that's chasing a dream. I'm way too young for that. You can do your own thing too. Um, so that relationship was incredible too, because he went off and did his thing at the university of Louisville. And I went to the university of Miami and it was just something that we both wanted to play pro. We both had dreams and we both connected in that sense. Cause all we did, our dates were playing soccer. We like <sighs> never actually did dates. It was like, bring four of your guy friends. I'll bring four girls. We'll set up two shoes as goals on each side. Um, and no one wanted their shoes picked or their backpacks picked because no one wanted them to get messed up. Um, so that was how, and I, and I think it's just that, you know, for me seeing this U S women's national team, just do their thing in so many incredible ways. And they're inspiring an entire generation. And I was that little girl. I was that little girl in the stands watching them and the NWSL, same thing. Those women in the NWSL are inspiring so many people right now. And I never knew it after games. I would sign and sign and sign until I couldn't sign anymore because I knew that I was one of those girls. And even if it, I just inspired them this much to chase their dream, even if it wasn't soccer, even if it was to be the best writer, the best journalist, or the best manager they could possibly be, but at least I inspired them a little bit, you know? And I think that's when it came full circles. Now that I've retired and stepped away from the game and have had a chance to look back, I'm like, it came full circle. And that's all I could ever ask for and all I could ever want. And now I feel more steam to continue to fight for the women's game and continue to show people that women are competing at the highest level and they are badass. They are inspiring so many people. Do not overlook them at all. And I think for me to be so empowered and feel so empowered and to play with these women at the national team level and to play with these women at the NWSL level and international level and to see what they're doing for their countries and for the women's game and for the NWSL has been something that I will never forget and something I will continue to fight for for the rest of my life. Maybe I think that's probably a good point to, to maybe wrap up at is, is, you know, you've kind of, you've talked about it a little bit here. You've seen uh, the previous league, you've seen the growth of this league. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously we're in an interesting time at the moment, but I know at, at some point things will be back to normal, hopefully soon. Absolutely. But what, uh, what are you most looking forward to in terms of the evolution of the league, the growth of the league from, maybe a player perspective or a fan perspective, I guess you've got, you're developing the, the fan side yeah. now, you said. So yeah. uh, what are you looking forward to for this league and this sport, maybe in this country specifically even? Yeah, I think the continued growth and I think the visibility. More girls need to see, and I'm talking specifically soccer, but I think women's sport in general, um, more girls need to see women competing at the highest level because it took me sitting in a stands to see it live to have a dream. 
more girls need visibility of female athletes competing at the highest level. And I think for me, that's what I want to see. I want to continue to see the progression in the league um, and continue to see the progression on all four fronts of uh, female sports. But I would love to see the continued progression of the visibility um, and for more uh, girls and boys to have dreams of playing at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. Well, hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully we're back back soon and uh you know the new tv yes. contracts and that should help with with visibility and absolutely uh, so what's your what's your first task as a fan i guess you're gonna get somebody's jersey or what oh man i'm like oh my gosh i don't even know i'm like <laughs> i need to I, I obviously get to as many games as possible once this season officially kicks off um obviously a diehard rain fan, <laughs> but, um, supporting the league as much as possible because, you know, I would, I would love the league to continue to progress. Um, and yeah, I just want to come to a bunch of games. I want to get the new Jersey. Um, my husband wants the new Jersey. It's just so fun to be on the fan side now, you know, obviously closing a chapter that is near and dear to my heart, but, um, I know I can still be involved and supportive in, in so many different ways. And um, I intend to do just that. Awesome. Well, Beverly Anas, thank you for, uh, for joining me here on, on kicking back really fun conversation and probably only scratch the surface of everything that you've done mm-hmm. and, and been through in your, your pro career, but uh, appreciate it. I'm sure you got to get back to the cube soon. I know you're yep. taking some time out of your day. So. <laughs> I love um, it. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jeff. It's always incredible to talk to you. And I just love how much you cover um, women's soccer. So thank you so much for all that you do. And um, the more that you um, interview and write and um, just know you always have my support because I love that you cover the women's game and I really appreciate that you cover the women's game and more people are having opportunity to read about things that maybe they wouldn't find anywhere else. So thank you for all you do for the women's game. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. And thank you for having me, Jeff. (laughs) You've been listening to kicking back a podcast by the equalizer. If you like what you heard, and we certainly hope you did, please go ahead and rate and review this pod. The more you do that, the easier it is for other people to discover this show and hear compelling stories from some of the most interesting people in women's soccer. Keep an eye out for our next episode when we kick it with our latest guest. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.